Welcome to Northridge Church Podcast. Thank you for tuning in today. For more information, visit us online at northridgethomaston.com. Now prepare your heart as we dive into God's Word. Welcome, everyone. I hope it's nice to see everybody here tonight in the house of God. But you know, this building of four walls doesn't mean Jesus is here. We bring him in when we come through those doors in our heart. We bring Jesus with us. And isn't it wonderful that we got a place to come to when everything in the world is going bad, prices are going crazy. But you know what? God's in control. He's still in charge. He's still on the throne. And we just got to have faith in him. I want to speak something on tonight, and I don't know why I'm so nervous every time I get up here, but it's, I guess looking at you guys, if y'all could just turn around and look the other way, that'd be great. But <laughs> We're going to speak on tonight, beavers, fallen trees, damned up lives. Now I've got your attention, right? Beavers, fallen trees, and damned up life. There was a trapper in Alaska. He was trapping beavers. Three things, three things caught his attention on the size of the beaver dam. One was the size of the dam. Two is how deep they are. And three, the construction of it. Some of the dams are 100 yards long, four foot deep or more. It's so solid on top that a person can walk across it. They need to be deep for survival to keep it safe from the predators. Beavers like trees that are planted beside flowing streams, living water. They cut the trees down, dammed up the water, and they stop the flow of water. Anytime there's a trickle of water coming through that dam, the beaver goes to work to try to stop it back up. That's their survival. In Psalms chapter 1, it says, Oh, the joys of those who do not follow the vice of the wicked, or stand around with sinners, or join in with mockeries. But they delight in the law of the Lord, meditating on it day and night. Verse 3 is a key verse. They are like trees planted along the riverbank, Bearing fruit each season. Their leaves never wither, and they prosper in all they do. But not the wicked. They are like worthless chaff scattered by the wind. They will be condemned at the times of judgment. Sinners will have no place among the godly. For the Lord watches over the path of the godly, but the path of the wicked leads to destruction. Go back to verse 3. They are like trees planted along the riverbank, bearing fruit each season. Question to you tonight is, Are you like a river that is flowing, bearing fruit? Are you a spring that flows only when it rains? Are you like a dam that leaks out from time to time? In your life, if you're a child of God, you have living water inside you. We gotta let that living water out. Satan is our beaver. Fallen trees is our sin. Our sins dams up our lives. That leaves Christ that can't come in or go out. So think about that. What, what is flowing out of you today? Maybe on Sundays and Wednesdays it flows out great. Maybe all that living water comes out and people see it. But what does it look like the rest of the days of the week when we don't walk through those doors that are there? See, people will know that Jesus lives in you every day of your life if you're in the word and if you're living a godly life. But see, our sins keep us bound. They keep us damned up where that living flow can't flow out of us. In John chapter seven, 37 and 38, 
Jesus promises living water. On the last day, the climax of the festival, Jesus stood and shouted to the crowds, anyone who is thirsty may come to me. Anyone who believes in me may come and drink. For the scriptures declare, rivers of living water will flow from his heart. What is flowing from our hearts? That's what I want you to get out of it tonight. What is flowing from our hearts? What does your neighbors, your friends see of you? Trees that are planted in stagnated water are not in danger from beavers. Beavers won't touch those. But they will suffer root rot and fall all over in the wind. It says about a lot about us Christians who are stagnating our faith. Sunday mornings and Wednesday nights, you'll see people in here raising their hands, praising God and all that. What about Monday, Tuesdays, Thursday, Friday, and Saturday? Sometimes we Christians are stagnated those days because we, we come in here hoping that Mark or David or someone else would teach us what we need to do. We'll get the word from them, but then what do we do the rest of the week? We're supposed to be in this word ourselves. The beaver dams are not an issue. The beaver, excuse me, the beaver dams are an issue, but not the problem. Beavers are the real problem, but the dam is just a sign of the presence. And it says the same thing about us. Satan is a problem if we let him in. The solution is not get rid of the dam. We must get rid of Satan. How do we do that? A child of God, we let Satan come in. If we're not reading the word, if we're not praying daily, if we're not doing devotions, if we're not here at the church volunteering our times, we have to be active as a child of God. There's no peaceful coexistence with Satan and the child of God. Just think about that. You can't have Lord in your heart and have Satan back here in your back pocket a little bit. And what I mean by that is those secret sins, those little pet sins that nobody knows about but you. You can't keep a pet sin and walk in victory. Just think about that. There's maybe a sin that you, that you got in your back pocket that you never asked God to forgive you about. You know, I had one for 40 years. I walked and carried it around forever. Only me, God, and one other person knew about it. And, you know, it, it kept me from that victory until God really got on a hold of me. It doesn't mean you got to let it out to the world. But you got to let, I just never asked God to forgive me for that one sin. And then I didn't forgive myself. If you're struggling with an internet sin, pornography, or just Facebook, or just something where you're spending more time on the internet, then maybe it's time to get rid of that computer or that phone. And you say, Doug, I can't do that. I got to, I work at a computer. Well, maybe you need to change jobs. Think about it. If you're tied to that computer more than you are this Bible, you got to reevaluate your life. What pet sin do you have? In Proverbs 28, 13, he who covers his sins will not prosper, but whoever confesses and forsakes them will have mercy. If you cover your sins, you're not gonna prosper from it. God's not gonna bless you. There's things in our minds that we think about that maybe only me and God knows about there's sometimes I say, if you knew what was in my mind, sometimes you would hate me. 
Because I do, I let Satan creep back with some things in the past. And then it just takes me away from the word. It takes me away from God. We're all guilty of it. In Psalms 32, one through five. Oh, what joy for those who dis- whose disobedience is forgiven, whose sin is put out of sight. Hear that? Oh, what joy for those whose disobedience is forgiven, whose sin is put out of sight. Yea, what joy for those who record the Lord, whose record the Lord has cleared of guilt, whose lives are lived in complete honesty. When I refused to confess my sin, my body wasted away, and I groaned all day long. Day and night your hand of discipline was heavy on me. My strength evaporated like water in the summer heat. Finally, I confessed all my sins to you and stopped trying to hide my guilt. I said to myself, I will confess my rebellion to the Lord, and you gave me all my guilt is gone. We got to confess our sins, all of them. Name them out to God. Maybe that's why some of us don't have joy in our heart because we're living with that pet sin that's in our back pocket or back of our mind that we just won't let go of. Or maybe you think I'm gonna pick that pet sin back up about a month later, you know, whatever it is. It could be anything. It could be addiction to alcohol, drugs, pornography. It could be addiction to your spouse. If you're putting your spouse before God, you're wrong. You're out of order. And that's why we don't have joy sometimes because we're not letting God have our heart 100%. Neil Anderson wrote, you wonder, am I doomed to my dilemma? I have left the door open for Satan. Can I get him out of the places he has wormed into? The answer is yes, Jesus Christ is the answer. But in order to experience his freedom, we must find the door we left open that allows Satan to come in. You gotta find that door that you let Satan come in. Sometimes we keep that door cracked. We won't keep it shut. We can let Satan come in if we let him, y'all. He can't have us, but we can let him get in and take our joy away from us. That's why people struggle so much in churches today because we don't have that joy. We don't have that 100% peace. Beth Moore wrote, a stronghold is any argument or pretense that sets itself against the knowledge of God. It is anything that exalts itself in our minds, pretending to be bigger or more powerful than our God. It steals much of our focus and causes us to feel overpowered, controlled, or mastered. Whether the stronghold is an addiction, unforgiveness toward a person who has hurt us in the past, or despair over a loss, it is something that consumes so much of our emotions and mental energy that abundant life is strangled. Our calling remains largely unfulfilled and our believing lives are virtually ineffective. Needless to say, these are the enemy's precise goals. Stronghold. What's got you held down? Could it be that uh, addiction? A lot of it is unforgiveness toward a person that's hurt us in the past. We can't let that go. You know, Mark's preached on that a lot of times where 
He says, we carry it for years and years where somebody's hurt us, but you know what? That person's done forgot about it, moved on. But as a child of God, we'll carry it. We won't ask forgiveness from them, but the biggest thing is we won't ask God to take it and forgive us. Maybe it's something you did to somebody else that you're carrying. If that's the case, reach out to that person and ask their forgiveness and move on. You're gonna lose your joy. Strongholds can't be swept away with a spiritual broom. We just can't take a broom and clean them out. Pick them up with a dustpan. We can't do that. We can't fuss at them and make them flee. We don't have the power to, to get rid of the strongholds that's bothering us. We can't ignore them until they disappear. Strongholds are broken one way only. They have to be demolished. Just like a beaver dam. The only way you're going to get rid of that dam is blow it up with dynamite. That's the only way you're going to get rid of it. You can trap the beaver. As soon as you get him out, another one's coming in. It's the same way with Satan. He keeps worming into our lives with that little pet sin. Satan knows what your weakness is. Every one of us in here has a weakness of some type or another. Satan knows what it is. And you know what it is too. But you've got to give it to Satan 100, I mean, you've got to give it to God 100%. Mark preached one time before about a, people bring their sins down here in a backpack and leave them at the altar. But then when the church is closed up, they'll come back and get their, their sins and put them back in their backpack and carry them out through the week. And that's true with all of us. A lot of times we'll come to this altar and ask God to help us, but then Monday morning we're back right back where we started because we didn't really trust God 100% to take care of us. With pr prayer and the word of God, Prayer and the word of God, strapping them together and igniting them with faith is what God said he can do for us. It's just like blowing the beaver dam up with dynamite. We're gonna blow our strongholds up with prayer and the word of God and God's gonna ignite it. But we gotta have faith. We gotta have faith. You got faith when you go to work every week that you're gonna get a paycheck. You got faith when you sit in that chair tonight that it wasn't gonna break and fall. You didn't give that a second thought, did you? We well, gotta have that faith of this Bible when we read it and we pray to God that he's gonna answer that prayer. Now that prayer will be answered. It may not be answered right away. It may not be the answer you want, but God's gonna answer it because he says in, this, in the word, he's gonna answer our prayers. In Proverbs chapter three, Verse one and four, trusting in the Lord, my child, never forget the things I have taught you. Store my commands in your heart. If you do this, you will live many years and your life will be satisfying. Never let loyalty and kindness leave you. Tie them around your neck as a reminder. Write them deep within your heart. Then you will find favor with both God and people and you will earn a good reputation. In that first verse, it says, my child, never forget the things I have taught you. If you're just listening to Mark or David or myself or whoever's up here speaking, if that's all you're getting, you're not gonna know everything God has taught you. Because Mark and David cannot preach this whole Bible in one year. You gotta get in it and read it. You gotta get in and find the answers that need for your life and the things that's gonna help you.
an idol, or a stronghold is anyone or anything that has greater influence on you in your life than God does. Think about that for a second. An idol is anyone or anything. See, your spouse could be that idol. Your job could be that idol. You're, you're, you're playing golf, you're hunting, you're shopping. You know, whatever it is could be your idol. Looking on the internet with your phone, that could be your idol. If, it's, if you're spending more time with that than you are with God, then that's, a, that's an idol or a stronghold. And that's what we have to get rid of. Again, nothing wrong with looking or doing things, playing golf, hunting, fishing, shopping, whatever. There's nothing wrong with loving your spouse because you're supposed to. But you don't put them on the pedestal above God. That's where they become an idol. You don't put your kids on a pedestal before God. That becomes your idol. That's hard to, to accept, isn't it? We all love our kids, we love our spouse. But God's gotta be your first in our life. He's the one that created us. He created us to worship him. And he doesn't like second best. Proverbs 4, 20 through 23. My child, pay attention to what I say. Listen careful to my words. Man, sink that in your heart right there. My child, pay attention to what I say. Listen carefully to my words. Don't lose sight of them. Let them penetrate deep into your heart. For they bring life to those who find them and healing to their whole body. Guard your heart above all else for it determines the course of your life. The heart represents the center of emotions, thinking and reasoning. The heart is crucial in the battle between wisdom and foolishness, between righteousness and evil. So what's in your heart today? Is it your spouse? It should be. Is it your child? It should be. But is God there every day? Is Jesus there every day? When you go to bed at night and you lay down beside your spouse, he's there every day, right? Every night. God's gotta be there every day, not just on Sundays and Wednesdays. We have to get in this book and read it. I'm guilty of not doing it every day. And that's why I have days that I just, I'm upset. I get angry. But that's because I let Satan worm into me by not reading this word. We have to get in the word, church. Look what's going on around us in this world. We can't fix any of those problems. But I know who can, and that's God. We should be praying every day for our pastors, our churches, not just this church, but other churches. We can't do this by ourselves. Northridge cannot do this by themselves. We're not put here to reach everybody in this, in this town. The ones we can't reach, Mountain View or First Baptist has to reach. But we gotta reach people. We have to reach people. These young kids that are growing up, like this young girl in the front row right here, it's so good to see parents bring their kids to church, especially on a Wednesday night. But you know, one day, 
She's got to make a choice when she gets older, a choice in life, which direction to take, which friend to befriend. Do I do this or do that? But you know, if she's heard the word her whole life, she's going to know what to do. She may stray from it, but she'll always come back to it. There's five things that sin does to us. Five things. Sin makes you feel dirty. Man, that's true. Sin makes you feel dirty. Nothing on earth can cleanse our sin-stained soul, only the blood of Jesus Christ. If you're a child of God, you're clean by his blood. But our sins makes us feel dirty. And then other people can see that dirt. Because if they see you on Sundays and Wednesdays walking, they'll see Jesus flowing out of you. But then let's say Friday night, you're on vacation down in a bar somewhere. Well, people's going to see that sin. They know. And you know because you're hiding from God in that bar. Or maybe you're having an affair on your spouse. That sin's going to make you dirty. And then you've got to figure out, okay, what am I going to do? Uh, how am I going to correct this? You have to ask forgiveness from God of your sins. Repent and turn from it. A lot of times we ask forgiveness of it, the next week we're right back doing the same thing. Come on, church, wake up. If you're sitting in here and we're doing these sins over and over, wake up. Man, Mark preaches this week after week after week. So does other pastors. But if we're coming here on Sunday morning, Wednesday nights and living like the world on the rest of the days, what are we doing? Why are we even coming to the church? I'm being real. Why do you come to church if you're going to live like that? Because you're letting other people see, well, if that's the way a church member is, I don't even want to go to church. We're supposed to be a, set an example. We're supposed to live above what the world, world thinks. Like I said before, some of these young people, if I don't have any friends, I'm okay with that because I want God in my heart. I don't care for the, the friends of the world. Church, we've got to get back on our knees and pray. We have to read our word. Sins makes you deaf. Sin makes you deaf. Now, my, my wife would tell you I'm already deaf. I can't hear her half time. But it's not because of sin. <laughs> Because those fire trucks, I guess. But it makes you deaf to the voice of God. So when we're sinning, and then we're praying for God to heal somebody in our family or to a prayer request we have, how do we hear God? Because we have sin in our life. We can't hear God because we're sinning, because we're deaf from it. God's going to answer that, that prayer request, but you have to be still and listen. Sin disgraces us. You're ashamed. You can't show your face. It shames us. There's times we, when we have that in our life, we don't even want to be around people because we know deep in our heart, I'm afraid they're going to find out. Maybe they'll find something out. We know today, in this day and age and world, it'll be found out on Facebook or Twitter or somewhere else. It will be found out. Because that's Satan's new tool. Sin 
Sin distances us from God. It separates us from God. It pulls us back from him. It gets us out of his center of his will. The best place to be is in the center of God's will. How do you get there? You read his Bible and you pray. Don't make a decision on anything until you pray to God about it. If you're changing jobs, you need to pray to God about it. If you don't like your job right now where you're at, well, then you need to start praying, God, where do you want me to go? Because if you do it on your own, you're going to go and you're going to hate that job too and the people there. Pray to God. If you're going to buy a car, you need to pray to God for it. If you're going to buy a house, you need to pray. If you're not married and you're dating, you need to pray. You need to pray for your mate. My wife started praying for Dakota when he was born, and I did too, but she probably prayed a lot more than I did for his mate. I mean, when he was born, she was praying for a Christian woman. You know what? God answered that prayer. We got a great daughter-in-law, and I feel it's because of God, because we prayed, and my wife prayed, and my wife prayed for that. Now, are they perfect? No, they're not. Sin lets depression set in. That's the big one. It steals our joy. Isn't it amazing what we allow ourselves to get used to? What we get numb to? We get numb to the things of the world? Just like abortion or, or any of these things out here that's going on in the world, we get numb to it. It's like, man, I just don't even care no more. That's what sin does. Then depression sets in. Then depression sets in, you, you start having difficulties at home. Arguments with your spouse or your children. You get depression, you get deeper and deeper into it. And that's where you start going off into left field. A beaver would take a tree and, and chew it up until it falls to build his home. And that's what Satan does with us with our sins. He slowly just chews and chews at us and chews at us if we let him. If we let him in that door that we don't keep shut and locked for him. We get out of God's center of his will and that's where we let him in. And he chews at us and he chews at us until we fall. The only way we're going to get rid of that dam is to blow it up. The only way we can get rid of our sins is through prayer and God's holy word. Don't let, her, don't let your sin steal your joy. We're all sinners. Romans 3, 23 says, for, for we all sin and come short of the glory of God. But you know when we sin, we need to ask God's forgiveness right away. We need to ask. And he's going to forgive it because he promises he would. But if we carry in our back pocket and don't ever ask, that's where that depression and that anxiety and everything else sets in. I heard a preacher say one time before, our, our brains are like a computer. It's always storing stuff 24-7. Even though you might be able to put it in the back of your file, you can never delete it, just like on a computer. You might be able to get it off where people can't see it, but you can't delete it. And then one day, at your weakest moment, is when Satan's going to bring that file back to the forefront. 
that sin that you hadn't asked forgiveness of or that thing you did in your life that nobody knows but you and God. And next thing you know, it's all over Facebook, it's all over everywhere else or you know, in your neighborhood or where you work. So don't carry around the sins of your past. Don't carry around the hate, the, the hurt that where somebody hurts you. Man, that's the worst thing we can do is if somebody's hurt us in our past, we, we, we don't need to carry it around. Give it to God, ask him to forgive you of it, and move on. And if you feel like you need to go to that, that person, then just, hey, I, I want will you forgive me for what I've done or, or forgive them what they've done, but move on. Don't let Satan steal your joy. Do not let Satan steal your joy. There's too much hurt in this world. Not enough love. There's not enough love. Jesus said we're supposed to love everyone, including our neighbors, including the ones we don't like. It doesn't mean we hang out with them, but we're supposed to love them. And we're supposed to show them to Christ. They got your attention now? We're supposed to show them to Christ. What if you ran into somebody that was just a putrid of this world and you had every opportunity to share Jesus with them and you didn't? Man, they have a chance too. God died for them too. You know, it's easy to share your faith in Jamaica. Right, Tracy? It's easy to share your faith for somebody you don't even know or somewhere you're at because it's, I don't know, it's different. Because I feel like, okay, they're not gonna, they're not gonna know me back. I'll, I'll be here a week, I'll leave. They won't ever see me again. But if, I, if we can go all over the world and share our faith, why can't we share our faith in our own neighborhood, in our own hometown that we live in, where there's 20, probably 25,000 people that does not attend church on Sunday mornings? That's why Mark built this church. That's exactly why he left the church to build this church. Because on a given Sunday, there's only 5,000 people in church in Thomaston, Upton County, on Sundays. Dave McGuire did a survey years ago on a given Sunday, 5,000 people, 25,000 people in this town roughly, or this, this town, or county. There's 20,000 people we need to reach. Mark, David, Tyler, Cody, they can't do it by themselves. If you're a child of God, God gave you the power to do that. He gave you the power to reach. Just think about that one person. Who's your one we should all have one a week at least. And I'm guilty of that too. I run into people all the time and never say a word. But you know what? If they die and go to hell, their bloods are on my hand. And I'm, I'm not good with that. Church, let's get back where we started. The Great Commission. Churches were produced or made to go out and reach the lost. If nobody had to reach you, where would you be at today? Would you be in church? Think about that. I know some of you have been in church your whole life because your parents took you. But just think about it. Where would you be if, if that person didn't invite you or reach you? After my, I went through a bad divorce in 89, 88, 
Got out of church. I was, I was in church my whole life from day one. Had great parents that took us to church, but then just got out of church. If it wasn't for a friend of mine that I went to high school with who was on staff at a church, inviting me to go come to church, I don't know where I'd be at today because I was running. I was running from God far from him because I was hurt. I knew what I was supposed to do. I wasn't doing it. And I'm sure we've all been there. Man, I just pray for you young people never to run from God. Don't ever run. Man, if that's the only friend you got, that's all you need. Don't let Satan lie to you. Don't let him deceive you. Don't let him come in that back door. Don't keep it cracked open. Whatever sins you're dealing with, privately, just give it to God tonight. You don't have to come to this altar. I mean, coming to the altar helps other people come to the altar. But you can pray right there in your seat. And you can ask God forgiveness right now and you can turn that sin over to him and say, God, I don't want no more of it. It doesn't mean you're a bad person because I sin too. We all sin, we make mistakes. What do we do with that mistake is the question. What do we do with Jesus when we make that mistake? I know one thing we did, we broke his heart. And that young child right there is gonna break your heart one day but you're still gonna love them, right? No matter what, that's the way God loves us. No matter how many times we fail him, he loves us. He wants more for us. Man, keep, quit holding your fists like this and hold them out like this and take the blessings that God has for us. But we can't take them if we're sinning all the time. We can't take them if we're not praying to God. We can't take them if we're not reading the Bible. God wants to bless each and every one of us in this room tonight more than you ever fathom. But you've got to open up and let him. Don't let them strongholds steal your joy. Go back to Proverbs 4. It said, my child, pay attention to what I say. Listen carefully to my words. Don't lose sight of them. Let them penetrate deep into your heart. Take it in and leave it in your heart. For they bring life to those who find them and healing to their whole body. Guard your heart above all else. Guys, we gotta guard our heart. Gotta guard it. And when I say read this Bible, don't just pick it up and read a chapter tonight and then close it. Before you read it, you gotta ask God, say, God, I wanna learn from it. I want to learn your word. I want to learn what's in your word. I want to soak it in. I won't mention the guy's name, but a friend of mine, he couldn't really read well. I'm not sure what grade level he got to, but as he got older, he wanted to read the Bible. He couldn't even read enough to even understand it. And he prayed and he prayed to God, said, God, I want to read your word. I want to know it. And this guy now reads the Bible, knows the verses, and he's, he's soaked it in, but see, he asked God to help him. Without God, he couldn't have done it. There's no way you could have read that Bible. Same way with us. We got to ask God when we pick it up. God, let me understand your word. Let me understand each word you put in this print. Let me understand each chapter, each verse. Let me take it in and use it this week. Don't let Satan steal your joy. It's time we take our life back if you don't have it fully. 
It's time we give it back to God fully and not to the world. It's time we take a stand, church. And I don't mean go out here and protest. That's not what I'm saying. Take a stand in this Bible. God's gonna do the rest. If gas goes to $10 a gallon, you know, it's gonna be tough for all of us, but God's still in control. He's still gonna be in control. Maybe it won't go to $10 a gallon if we got on our knees and prayed harder. I'm serious. We, we think that's funny, Matt, right? We think you know, that's not gonna change nothing. You don't know what it could change, right? You prayed to God to save you, a sinner bound to hell, and he saved you. So if he could save me and he could save Matt and he could save whoever, he could, he, could not, he could help us with any prayer request we have. It's not stupid. He knows our mind. He already knows what we want. I'll leave you with this. Be a value in life. Be a value in life. Does your life have value to others? Stop thinking about yourself and ask, does my, value have, does my life have value to other people? Does other people know that I'm a child of God? Lord, I thank you for the opportunity just to speak tonight, God. I just pray I did you your word the way you wanted me to, God. And I pray that it penetrated someone's heart here tonight. That we could take it through the week and just use it, God, and get our joy back. I pray for each and every one in this room, God, that you'll just bless them this week at their workplace, at their home life. Just bless them financially. Bless them with peace and comfort and wisdom. Lord, just bless them when they lay their head down at night on bed that they know they did everything possible for you that day. And tomorrow's gonna be a new day. God, just bring us all back Sunday to worship you. And let's just have a heart for others, Lord. In your name I pray, amen. Thank you for joining us today at Northridge Church. We hope today's message inspired you in your walk with God. We hope you take your next step by connecting with us online at northridgethomaston.com.